you miss Canton and Carlin? more in common than you would think. Lock in, lock in. The work we put in. The standard we set. I want to do something that's never been done. The statements we made. Complete domination. And the success that we've earned. You do things right, good things happen to you. But what we have most in common has the power to separate us forever. We all want to win a championship. But only one of us will. Four teams going for the national championship that starts on Saturday in the semifinals, two bowl games between Michigan and TCU and Ohio State and Georgia. It's Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio, Matt Jones and Courtney Cronin. Happy to be joined on the phone by former TCU head coach Gary Patterson, who helped build that place up into what it is now. And, and Gary, I, I, you know, when you when you look at the four playoff teams, you see Georgia, you see Ohio State, you see Michigan, and those are programs that have obviously had tremendous success throughout. And then you see TCU, who's going to this place for the first time, and it's got to be exciting. What does it mean? You were around there for a long time. What does it mean for that campus, that community, to be able to play on this stage on Saturday? Uh, you know, still being part of uh, the Fort Worth community, it's, it's very exciting. It's really exciting for the state of Texas, uh, exciting, exciting for the town, it's exciting for the university uh, Many friends there. Uh, it's just been a it's it's a big pause. Even uh, you know it, it's been something that's been building for many years, and uh, I'm glad that they got an opportunity. You know, a lot of those kids were recruited, so it's uh, I'm happy for them. Really excited uh, for their future, and I'm rooting for them. Max Duggan threw 30 touchdowns, four interceptions this season. He was the Heisman runner-up. And I wanted to ask you just about not only his development, but his decision to stay at TCU after the coaching change. It's something we don't see that often, especially at the quarterback position. I read somewhere roughly 40% of starting quarterbacks found their new destination or found their destination via the transfer portal. But he decided to stay. And he wasn't the first choice this season, but an injury paved the way for him to get a chance to do what he did this year. How, how special is that when you think about the season he went through this year to get TCU to where they are right now? Well, you, you know, you have to go back and understand Max Duggan. You know, his dad was a coach, uh, you know, great family. And so uh, his his best friends are the offensive linemen, a lot of uh, the walk-on uh skill kids at uh, tight ends and snappers and uh, all, all that group. So, you know, Max is one of those guys. He was, he would never leave his group, his, let his friends down. And it wasn't surprising. He decided to come back and, and, and not transfer and do the things he needed to do. Uh, he's just that kind of person. And uh, he's kind of been the heart and soul. I think of what they've been able to accomplish. He's, he's just one of those kids that, uh, 
that's going to keep going. If you look at his history of everything that went on uh, health-wise and what he's fought through and what he's done, it's just it's been it's been truly a truly amazing story, and it's been fun to watch. You had Sonny Dykes at TCU in 2017 as your offensive analyst. It was after he coached somewhere else. Things didn't work out great, and you bring him in. And, and what did you see then as a coach, and what do you see now that has helped him take this team to the playoff in, in, in his first year? Well, yeah, you know, for me it was, you know, uh, which I'd done, and coaches like Jerry Keel, uh, Sonny Dykes, you know, I've always been one that, believe the guys were good football coaches you want to give them you give them an opportunity to keep a chip in the game and that's uh that's kind of what we did chris del conte came to me and asked me uh if i would let sonny be part of the staff and do all of it and, and uh you know coach dykes his dad uh was was really good to me uh as a young coach you know as far as allowing us to come out and, and look at film with his staff and do things and so for us it was it was real easy it was really easy for me to have Sonny be part of uh, uh, the staff and be a part of it. And, you know, obviously a good things have happened to him. Number three, TCU takes on number two, Michigan, in the Verbo Fiesta Bowl on Saturday, December 31st, 4 p.m. kickoff time, Eastern time. We're talking with Gary Patterson, former TCU head coach. And I want to ask you about kind of where they stand because I don't feel like we talk enough about TCU and where they are in the college football playoff rankings. And, of course, people are going to look at the Big Ten and the SEC and do their own sort of eye test here. But how important do you think it is for TCU to win this semifinal game to validate their spot in the postseason? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't really. I think their body of work validates their spot in the playoff. Uh, where they're at and, and getting an opportunity to play, they've 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 won all their games. They lost in the championship game, which was came right down to a couple inches uh, in the Big 12 championship game. So, uh, you know, really proud of the, the seniors. Uh, really, uh, really excited for Coach Dykes and the staff. They've done a great job, and uh, you know, you, you you like to see it. You know, it's always really hard because Coach Harbaugh is a really good friend. Uh, you know, he was in a situation a couple of years ago where whether they didn't know Michigan was going to keep him or not and fought back to get into the playoffs last year and then got back to it again. So, uh, really, it's got a great storyline. Uh, you got a you got a university that's uh, that's fought for years, uh, felt like maybe back in 14 that didn't get the opportunity and had a great team. Uh, and now they, they did get the opportunity to be there. And then you have a Michigan team that uh, has been back uh, two years in a row. So, uh you know, I think it's going to be a great ball game. You know, it's uh, it's going to be really fun to watch. I'm excited to watch it. Talking to Gary Patterson, former TCU head coach. Uh, Gary, I had a buddy in law school who went to TCU, and it was always interesting talking to him because he was a massive Horn Frog fan. But he also, I always thought, kind of had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because he was like, well, you know, Texas and Texas A&M get all the attention in Texas, but we're here, and he very much loved – like when they had success, is sort of a like, see, I, sh- I told you. Like, you forget about us, I told you. Is there that mentality in some respects that drives, whether it's the, the fans, the, the players, the coaches at TCU, that kind of, yeah, those other two schools are really big, but we do, we, we have a good program, we play good football here. Yeah, I think that's, that was what it was built on clear back, uh, you know, almost 25 years ago. It was built on uh, being able to prove to people that, that TCU could be a part of uh, the conversation at some point in time. And, uh, you know, back in the early 2000s, 
uh, was talking about, we talked about getting to a BCS game, and then, you know, 9 and 10, you go into the Fiesta Bowl, won the Rose Bowl. 14, you were part of the playoff picture talk, and then 17, played for the conference title. So through the year, uh, they've been able to do it. Built the university, the fans, the supporters, you know, built facilities. Uh, everybody's been invested there. So it's uh, – it's just not a sometime thing, and it's taken. You know, as they they adopted a lot of people. There's a lot of fans that just weren't that didn't grow up being being a, a graduate of TCU that have uh, adopted TCU in that town, and then and it's been a part, really, of the state. To be honest with you, I think it became a uh, household name with an L. You know, when you talk about Ladanian Tomlinson and and some of the players that have come through, I think in the last twenty some years have had. You know, somewhere between 140, 150 guys that have got into camps. So a lot of guys have gotten opportunities to play. They have uh, have played really well at the NFL level, and uh, and now they get an opportunity to be able to prove within uh, uh, the playoff picture to see if, if you know they can be a team that can play for the national championship and get through this ball game. Gary, before we let you go here, I know you were at TCU as a head coach 2000 to 2021, a very long time. Do you want to be a head coach again? Do you have your eyes set on that? You know, we're, uh, right now my, my whole focus, you know, I, I knew that uh, having been there for a long time, you know, uh, Coach Sark gave me a great opportunity, staff to come down here and be a part of. So, you know, I knew that I needed to get out of Fort Worth. It had been at least for a season, you know, after you've been there for 24 years, at least this first time. And so, uh, uh, maybe so, but you know, right now we've been enjoying the opportunity. It's, uh, I've kind of gone back and forth when it comes to, uh, all that, you know, whether to help just one place or, um, be able to maybe go into some kind of uh, consulting role where I can help all of college football in some case with a lot of young head coaches and, and different problems that have come up, you know, with all the things I've been able to learn through the years. But uh, uh, this has been a great experience so far. The University of Texas has been great to me, uh, the city of Austin and uh, and the staff and the players. So uh, acquired a lot of friends, a lot of friendships. And uh, if, if, you know, I end up, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if I ended up being back here, but, uh, you know, Kelsey and I will sit down and, and kind of decide well, what we're going to do and go from there. You know, uh, family and friends, they sacrifice a lot for guys through, you know, the 40 years I've been a, I've been a football coach. So it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all goes and what, we, what decisions we do come up with. That sounds like a man, though, who wants to coach, Gary. I just feel – I don't know, but I can <laughs> feel it. That sounds like a man It's not out of your blood yet, I don't think. But, uh, Gary well, Patterson – Well, I love the game. I can tell you that. Yes, well, your former TCU head coach, great stuff. We really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. You bet. Thank you. College football bowl talk here on Canty and Carlin is brought to you by Princess Cruises. I love this boat. TCU is a seven and a half point underdog versus Michigan in the Verbo Fiesta Bowl. I bet they love boats too. Is that a good bet or a bad bet? We'll play that next right here on ESPN Radio. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. 
Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? It is Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio. Matt Jones and Courtney Cronin. She is in Chicago, Illinois. I'm in Lexington, Kentucky at a high school basketball showcase at Lexington Catholic where North Laurel High School is winning 42-34. Courtney, there was a, a man named Jeff Shepard. Do you remember the name Jeff Shepard? I do not. Okay, Enlighten. Jeff Shepard was the 1998 Final Four MVP for Kentucky okay. when they won. His son, Reed Shepard, is a top 25 recruit this year going to Kentucky. He is playing right now in front of a full house, a name for you to remember for college basketball next year. That's exciting. And, I mean, you've got the best seat in the house. You've been there how long, Matt? I've been here since 930 this morning, <laughs> and I've sat in the same seat. Are you I'm going back to tomorrow? No, I think one day is plenty for me. But uh, it's been exciting. It's been, it's been a good time. Now it is time for Good Bet, Bad Bet. That's brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. What are the odds? Now it's your turn to decide. May the odds be ever in your favor. Is that a good bet or bad bet? You know, they got excited. That's what happens with Good Bet, Bad Bet. You're so excited that we don't even get to finish that it's brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, where I want you to know you can make every moment more. It's time for us to figure out if it's a good bet or bad bet. Evan, tell us what we're doing. All right, TCU plus 7.5 against Michigan in the Verbo Fiesta Bowl. Is that a good bet or a bad bet, Matt? Bad bet. Michigan wins by at least two scores. TCU's played most games close, but I think this one will be a relatively easy affair. I'm going to say bad bet to take TCU plus seven and a half. Yeah, I know we just had Gary Patterson on, and he was awesome. And I want to go all in on TCU and the Horn Frogs here. But the way that we saw Michigan play against Ohio State and following that up with the performance in the Big Ten Championship in Purdue – put up 45 and 43 points respectively in those games. I don't know if TCU is going to have the firepower to match that, so I'm going to say it's a bad bet. What's next? Ohio State is plus 6.5 against Georgia in the Peach Bowl. Courtney, is Ohio State plus 6.5 a good bet or a bad bet? I want to say it's a good bet because we know the last time we saw this Ohio State team play that they got – annihilated in the second half and a lot of those were self-inflicted wounds of not adjusting to the run and kind of getting a little arrogant there not expecting J.J. McCarthy was going to be able to beat them with their with his arm they know that Stetson Bennett can do that so I think the adjustment factor here and all that you can expect from Ohio State having more than a month to prepare for this game I like their chances with that give me that bet yeah, I love the plus six and a half. That might be, that's a great bet, and I may have already put a decent <laughs> little amount on it, but I'll go ahead and say I think it's a great bet to take them on the money line. Look, this is a team that 
I think can win this game. I think six and a half points is too many. You can get plus 210 on the money line. Uncle Matt says load up. I'm good betting both of those because this Georgia team, while good, is not as good as that group last year. The Cowboys are giving the Titans 10 points this weekend. Is the Cowboys minus 10 a good bet or a bad bet, Matt? It's a stay away for me, but if I have to, I'll take good bet. I think the Titans are really, really bad, and even though they're playing for their playoff lives, I still think they're really bad. It is Thursday night, and it is on the road when you're the Cowboys, and so normally I don't bet the road team in that. That's why I would stay away, but if I had to bet, Courtney, I would say good bet with the Cowboys. I think it's a good bet, and I know that the Titans are trending in the absolute wrong direction right now. They don't have Ryan Tannehill. We saw Malik Willis in action last week. You know, did they did they stage a comeback that got taken away by Jalen Petrie's interception? Yes. The Dallas Cowboys defense is a little bit better than the Houston Texans. They won't even be in position to do that because Dallas will go up by two scores. Good bet. The Packers are giving three and a half to the Vikings somehow at home. So basically, Of course they are. Basically, this game's a pick em if it's a neutral site. But, Courtney, are the Packers minus three and a half a good bet against the Vikings? They don't have anything to lose right now, and Minnesota's riding high. I mean, they keep winning games in such absurd emotional fashion. If it's not the largest comeback in NFL history, it's a 61-yard field goal when they could have tried to, like, go to overtime and win this thing. They win it in regulation. You know, the Packers, I like them right now, but I'm going to go ahead and give Minnesota its respect. It's a bad bet here. The Vikings will do that and then some. They've already found their groove. It's time that we all respect them for that. Yeah, it's a bad bet. I mean, first of all, the Vikings are going to score. I just don't think the Packers can score enough. I'm going to take the Vikings, even though they are on the road, I think, bad bet. What's next? All right, the Bengals are getting one point against the Bills at home, so they're a one-point underdog. Matt, good bet to take the Bengals getting a point at home against the Bills. I love this game for a variety of reasons, probably for hosting. These two teams are very likely to play each other in the conference semifinals, and this game may be about who gets to host that game. I'm going to take – I'm going to say bad bet because I think the Bills win. The Bengals have won seven straight. They're playing great, but I still think the Bills are a better team, and they know how important it is to host that game in Buffalo, I'm going to say bad bet. I actually think it's a good bet, guys, because Cincinnati right now riding, in, I think it's a seven-game win streak that they're currently in right now. They stave off the late scare from the New England Patriots last week, and they did it on the road. So for them to be able to do the same thing against Buffalo, not far-fetched at all. This is going to be potentially a preview for what? The AFC Divisional Playoffs, Conference the AFC Championship. Yeah. yeah, so I'm excited for it, but give me Buffalo in this one. I like that bet. I love the conference semifinals, otherwise known as the divisional the playoffs. Divisional playoffs? I don't know. What are you <laughs> stupid? Who cares? It's they're going to play each other, Evan. Will Levis, plus 1,100 to be the number one overall pick, Matt. Good bet or bad bet? This is my, you mark it down where you heard it. Good bet. If Houston gets the number one pick, I have some inside sources that say Levis is very likely to be the guy selected. Now, if Chicago gets it, then I don't know, because there could be trades and other teams don't like them. But if it's the Houston Texans, go to FanDuel immediately and put Will Levis for the number one pick, plus 1,100. And just remember who told you to do that, Courtney. I can't top any sort of information that Matt just doled out for us, but I, I'm going to put my Mel Kuyper hat on, and I'll say it's a good bet because he 
I've never seen someone stand for a quarterback this early in the draft process before we even get to senior bowl season and pro days and all that. So if Mel said, if Mel would agree with me, which I know he would in this in this moment, uh, I'll go ahead and say it's a good bet. And Courtney is hedging her bet because I believe she said yesterday that the Bears would have the number one pick. So a little hedge here from Courtney. I do yeah. think that they will end up with it because Houston has Jacksonville and Indianapolis. Did you see Indianapolis play last night? They're going to win that game, and the Bears need to lose their last two against Detroit and Minnesota. Detroit's going back home. Their offense works when it's at home. They can score 40 points. And then they're going to play Minnesota. Who knows if Minnesota rests their starters. I do not think that Houston is going to lose out here. I think the Bears will, and I think they will end up with the number one overall pick. Yeah, I, I, I told, if the Bears get the number one pick, I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing anything except if it's Houston. Just remember, if it's Houston – I think unless something happens between now and the draft, I think plus eleven hundred for Levis with with the, with Houston specifically is a great great bet. Kenny and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. You can give us a shout on the Dr Pepper call in line eight 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 say ESPN. You know the hottest team in the NBA? Well, it's a team that at one point in this year we all talked about, but now that they're good, nobody's talking about. We'll tell you who that is next right here on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? It is Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio. Matt Jones, Courtney Cronin here with you for the next 30 minutes, and then we'll go to other wonderful hosts. We are joined by Sarah Kustak, Yes Network, Nets analyst. And Sarah, before we get started, I just want to give I just want to say something. Can I give you a compliment before we start, Sarah? I will always take a compliment. All right, good. So I end up watching quite a few Nets broadcasts because Ian Eagle is one of my good buddies. And I have to say, you do a terrific job. And for people who haven't seen your work, I just wanted to tell you that because I end up watching a lot because Ian makes me laugh and he's always been a good friend of mine. So I just wanted to compliment you on the the great job you do on those broadcasts. I appreciate that. And you are spot on. He is the best of the best, not only as a professional, but as a human being. So, um, yeah, I'm lucky. I'm lucky I get to sit next to him, that's for sure. Yeah, just he's an absolutely wonderful guy for people who who uh, don't who don't know it. Now let's talk a little basketball. 
normally I think when you have gotten asked on these types of shows, it has been in the last year and a half to talk about what's going wrong with the Nets. But now things are going great. I think they've won, what, 12 of 13 or something, and they're playing excellent. What has changed? Why all of a sudden are the Nets meeting the promise we've been waiting for for a while? Well, I think one thing comes down to health. Uh, secondly, though, given the way the season started, I think there was just a, a lot of moving parts for a lot of reasons. And this group is finally starting to click and build chemistry, considering the fact that a lot of these players hadn't had much time on the floor together. Uh, many were coming back. A handful were coming back from some off-season injuries. Kevin Durant is playing at an MVP level. He is the one who it, it starts and stops with, and he's been extraordinary. Um, Kyrie Irving as well and I just think collectively you look top to the bottom of this roster and everyone's figured out their role in contributing in a way that has best benefited how they play and how they want to play behind Jacques Vaughn and, and he's the other name that I would point to um, he's been tremendous his organization, his communication his energy is infectious his in-game adjustments uh, how he's been able just to push the right buttons of lineups, rotations combinations um, and finally, this group, you know, it, it, they have got so many potent, potent scores uh, to play, starting with, you know, Kevin and Kyrie, but to play alongside them and just how everyone fits together. But they have, throughout the course of the last, you, you mentioned winning 12 of 13, um, but, you know, over the course of the last month and a half or so, what they've done defensively, the connectedness, they've figured out this switching scheme of just having a lot of guys that can guard multiple positions, so rebounding better. And so I think for all those reasons, it's, it's, it's been working well, and because of it, winning is fun. And I think you, you see these guys having a lot of fun playing with one another. This thing could have gone sideways early on in November when they made the coaching change a couple weeks into the season. And obviously there was Kyrie Irving being away for the team for the suspension. And, and so much fell on Kevin Durant's shoulders, at least from an outside perspective, that he was going to have to be the glue that kept this thing together. And not only does it seem like he did that, Sarah, but the fact that you mentioned that he's playing at an MVP level, and that's not the first we've heard of that. Is this the best you've seen from Kevin since he's been with the Brooklyn Nuts? That's tough to say, Courtney. I think you you are so right about all of that and just the assessment of, of what he shouldered. And it's not just been about his production, but I think his leadership on the floor, um, how he has all these guys playing in, in um, just for what he brings to the table. But I, it, I've i seen him in play. I saw him in the playoffs uh, two seasons ago that he was, you know, point to a lot of it, the, the toe away from uh, potentially advancing against the Bucks, who inevitably went on to win the, uh, the NBA championship. But it, it's, it's some of the best basketball just in terms of the efficiency that we see out of him. Um, he's shooting the lights out in ways that he's got double teams. You see in every defense and defensive coverage, game planning against him. He's picking defenses apart. Uh, his, his numbers in terms of assists have been skyrocketing. I think just watching what he's done defensively when I point to the, the shift in the change that the Nets have made um, with how they're able to lock down teams, I think that a big part of that. Nick Claxton has been a part of that. Ben Simmons, uh, you can go down the list, but Durant has been such a key component of how he's been playing on that end. So I think just the totality of his game, and I also think just how he's able to elevate and 
bring the best out of its teammates. I think that's something that's often a, a cliche when you talk about players, but we are watching it on a game-by-game basis of, of everyone rising to the level of how he's been playing. Talking to Sarah Kustak, Yes Network, Nets analyst. So let me ask you this. Most of the year it has felt like to me that the two best teams are Milwaukee and Boston in some order, and then everybody else is kind of a notch below, even in the West. In the East, though, the Nets will have to go through those two two teams. Do you think the best version of the Nets can compete at the level with Milwaukee and Boston? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think your assessment is accurate, but I also would point to with Milwaukee, with Boston, um, the level of continuity, a lot of those players, and in the Bucks in particular, I know they have hit a little bit of a skid, Chris Middleton, has been out some, but but all of those teams, whether um, or both of those teams, I should say, you look at the amount of players that have been together and been playing together year after year, have been postseason and playoff tested uh, together. I think that matters and that makes a difference. So I think at the early part of the season, sometimes that's where you see teams uh, get off to quicker starts because they have a comfortability with one another, and I think that's why. Um, along with some other reasons, it took Brooklyn a little bit of time. But without a doubt, and I think you look at what Cleveland's been doing, you look at what how Philadelphia has been playing so well, um, I, I think with a lot of the teams in the East, especially towards the top tier, uh, there, there's always the opportunity to compete and to make runs. But I think it's still, when you look at where you are sitting here in December, what happens you know, with the trade deadline, what happens with some of those buyout candidates, how teams and rosters shake out. Of course, health is always a factor. Um, you know, I, I think that's where you still got a ways to go in the season. But I think for all of these teams, you watch, you know, how they're playing now and the level of playing at right now. I think when it comes to Brooklyn, how they've been playing, having just coming off a win against Milwaukee, um, you know, the way they looked in Cleveland. Some of these teams, I think that's where the difference has been in this win streak of seeing them play and compete and win against some top-tier teams, um, not just getting the wins, how they're getting those wins. So that is a long-winded answer, uh, Matt, to your question of, yeah, I I absolutely do think that they believe they can um, compete against any of those teams in, in the Eastern Conference. Sarah Kustak killing it just as she does on the Nets broadcast on the Yes Network. Please tell I and I said hello and thank you very much for your time. I will. Thank you. You guys have a great evening. All right. NBA Talk on Canty and Carlin is brought to you by Fresh Pet. That's right. Real pet food fresh from the fridge. That's where I keep all my pet food. Thanks to Fresh Pet. Well, you know how we end the shows here. It's the three stories you might have missed. We'll make sure you know them all. That's next here on Canty and Garland. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Sometimes it's the worst. 
Sometimes it's the best. Best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is three and out. You know, if you listen every day to Canty and Carlin, and why wouldn't you? Then you pretty much know everything you need to know. But what you don't know, you find out in the last segment in three and out because we tell you the three stories that you have yet to hear that you need to hear. And, Courtney, I consider it like education in some ways. And that's what we're going to do here. Are you ready to find out the three things we haven't gotten to that everyone needs to know? I am so ready. I'm just as about ready as the game at, you're at right now, right? Yeah, off. well, I mean, I can hear one, of the I can three hear the is, one of the three things is not that Travis Perry is about to break the all-time state scoring record for the University of uh, for Kentucky High School basketball, but that's a different thing. That'll be on the next edition. But we'll start with number one. Derwin James was ejected for an awful hit on Colts receiver Ashton Doolin. Both James and Doolin are now both in concussion protocol. But Chargers coach Brandon Staley said after the game he did not agree with the decision to eject James. To eject James, He said, no, I did not agree because I know Derwin's intent. I thought he tried to lead with the shoulder. It's a play where they obviously laid the guy out in a tough position, which is their fault, not ours, and Derwin made an aggressive play, unquote. Stanley then explained, I've seen him make a lot of tackles on plays just like that, and I know that his target was not above the neck. I know that. When I read you that quote from Brandon Staley, what do you think? They're trying to blame Ashton Doolin. They're trying to blame the Colts' offense of, okay, make sure that the receiver, when he catches the ball, has to just, like, look inside to his left and catch it, like, facing forward. Like, the reason that this hit was illegal is because Ashton Doolin, the receiver for the Indianapolis Colts, was turned the other way. He was unprotected. There are rules in place to protect the unprotected player. Derwin James is a Pro Bowl safety. He knows better than this. You have to go low in that circumstance. No no one's saying, Matt, you can't make the tackle. But we all saw that play. Unfortunately, we all saw that play multiple times. And that is literally textbook material when they're showing players during the offseason, during training camp, here's how not to tackle. This is what's going to get you ejected and could wind you up in the concussion protocol. I guarantee this will be like play number one next year on that tape. Yeah. By the way, Brandon Staley needs to, to hush because that's nonsense. Now, look, I'm, I understand you take up for your player, and I don't mind him saying he didn't have the intent to hurt the guy. That's of course fine. not. Of course I might not. Even, I, I probably agree with you there. He wasn't trying to get himself ejected or himself in the exactly. concussion protocol. It but was just a, a bad hit. But that's a different question than whether or not it was Nick Foles' fault. Look, intent is not the rule. There's nothing about intent. The question is, did you hit him? above the neck or on the neck or above with your helmet and the answer is very clearly Derwin James did so Brandon Staley it's one thing to say he didn't do it on purpose but you cannot say that it wasn't an illegal hit because it was let's go to the second thing Ravens coach John Harbaugh has been tight-lipped on Lamar Jackson's availability for the Steelers Lamar has been sidelined since injuring a knee December 4th and Baltimore has only scored two touchdowns in three weeks without him here was what Harbaugh had to say about Lamar's status for Sunday. As far as Lamar, do you expect him to practice this week? Uh, we just have to see. Are you still optimistic, whether it's this week or not, that he is going to be able to come back at some point this year? Sure. Of course. have to see for Sat Sunday. Of course he comes back this year. 
I would hear that, Courtney, as he's not playing Sunday. What about you? Yeah, I know that there might be some gamesmanship here. This team is in favorable position right now for the postseason. But remember, the Cincinnati Bengals have you know, pretty good ground. And I just feel like any sort of gamesmanship down the stretch, final two games, John Harbaugh is not going to be letting anybody know anything until literally game time when we see if Lamar Jackson's going to play or not. Yeah, I mean, I understand. It's fine for gamesmanship. I just – I don't hear that as confidence he'll play, but we'll find out. And finally, new Nebraska head coach Matt Rule had this to say about NIL, which if you don't follow college football, it's all NIL now. He said, quote, if someone only wants to come play for us and play for me because of what we or someone else can help with NIL, that's not really what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone that wants to come here and be a part of a family, that wants to come here and fight, scratch, and claw for us to win a championship. Do you agree that family trumps NIL? I mean, does family mean that you get an eight-year contract worth $74 million? Is that what family is? Because I don't know if Matt Rule's going to Nebraska because of family. And don't get me wrong, Matt. He's a culture builder. He did it at Temple. He did it at Baylor. He was a part of it at Penn State. I don't think I'm not saying that he can't get it done there, but like let's please leave all of the holier than thou stuff that he's saying about why guys are coming there when he very clearly took that job because he got an opportunity to get another fat contract just like the size of his one that he got with the Carolina Panthers. If I hear one more coach making seventy million dollars get up and tell me that it's not that players shouldn't come for the money, I will vomit. Do you really think Matt Rule was like, you know where in America I'd like to live? Nebraska. Stop it. It's the most boring state in the entire country. There is no scenario in which he went there for anything but money. And by the way, God bless him. That's fine. But then do not begrudge players that do the same thing. And if you at Nebraska want people to come from family instead of money, then you ain't going to have anybody join your family because the good place players will go where the money is, Courtney, and your family will be broke and losing. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. I don't mean to be mean to the people of Nebraska, but let's be real. No kid wants to live in Nebraska. Courtney, I enjoyed it today. Thank you it very much. Fun. It was fun. I feel like I was part of the basketball games along with I you. know. It's got a little loud here lately, but nevertheless, you were a trooper, and I appreciate it. Thank you all very much. And if you want to watch these games, they're happening somewhere right now. But ESPN Radio will continue. Emmett Golden and Aaron Goldhammer, they're next. This has been Kathy and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Weekdays on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+.